Welcome back, Aspire community, and happy holidays. Before we begin this awesome show with a fantastic leader, George Kuros, I just have a few announcements. I want to just remind you, I'm going to be in Las Vegas here this week at Education 2.0 Conference, and if you're going to be in the area and at this conference, I would love to connect, so make sure you reach out. As always, you can DM me or reach me via email at joshua at teachbetter.com. And then, of course, this episode is sponsored by Papa Rob's Coffee. If you're looking to order some delicious medium and dark roast blends, this is the place for you. Of course, Rob has some wonderful bundles created for the holiday season. So he's got travel or ceramic mugs. And of course, he's got the roasted coffee and a variety of different blends. Leslie and I always go with the Espresso Papa Rob special blend. It's amazing. Something that we drink every single morning. Honestly, I drink it throughout the day. And I just highly encourage you to go to paparobscoffee.com and use the Aspire15 code to grab not only your holiday bundle, but to get 15% off your order. As always, I want to thank you for supporting this show and make sure that you're sharing out your favorite episode on social media, providing a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform, and then, of course, telling other aspiring and current leaders about the show. So with that, we're going to jump into this week's Aspire to Lead episode. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I just posted a picture on Instagram stories of the first time I met my guest in 2015. Can't believe it's been that long, and I can remember this time very vividly because the speaker got up on stage. He had shorts on and a button-down short sleeve shirt, and I thought it was just someone messing with the mic, maybe a tech person from the conference, but no, it was the speaker, the keynote, and he had lost his luggage, which was totally funny, but then also captured the attention of a huge audience in the auditorium, and the entire presentation was really pushing my thinking constantly and i will always say that a good speaker is engaging an amazing speaker influences action and george kuros is definitely that person i probably would not have a podcast right now without the words of this man so george one thank you for being on the aspired lead podcast but thank you for making such a huge impact in my own life uh, that's pretty cool man that's uh, I, I appreciate that and that's uh yeah I, I actually it's funny i think you and i have talked about this before yeah everyone from that day i've <laughs> met again and they like they remember that day very vividly and it's funny because i like i would travel in shorts like i hope dean Teresti's not listening because he's like very anti-shorts on the plane and i'm like yeah so i'm in shorts i lost luggage went to walmart bought a texas's awesome t-shirt because yep. that was like all that would fit me that i could buy at that time at like 11 o'clock at night and i'm like okay if you're gonna wear a t-shirt if, as long as it says texas is awesome they'll love you you're good and that was it and that was it and people you know people bring it up all the time and right and it was like interesting because i remember that was like a, a lot of central office a lot of people wearing suits and stuff like that and i was like oh my god this is like i'm very uncomfortable which is now like i you know i would kind of dress like that maybe i'm just getting old and <laughs> getting comfortable getting comfortable in yourself yeah, yeah. and who you are yeah, yeah yeah that is legitimately the last time i uh, ever checked a bag I do not check bags ever again. I always do carry on. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same thing. Well, I want to kind of go through history because George, at 2015, I I met you for the first time, got to hear you speak for the first time, but I know that wasn't the first time, obviously, that you were a presenter. So, you know, Mm -hmm. before 2015, how long had you been speaking and presenting? Uh, I probably, uh, I think 
2009, 2010 was probably one of my first. I really had the blessing to have a brother who presents, who's in education, Alec. I know a lot of people who know me, know him. And uh, he just asked me to present alongside of him. And the group that brought him in uh, agreed to it. And it, it was just, it was something that I really appreciated and something I had a lot of fun doing. And I, you know, I present, you know, I presented at conferences here and there, but never actually um, had a keynote. And then, you know, I, I just started um, doing it more and more. And I was very blessed to have a school district that allowed me to explore and pursue that. And the reality of it is, unfortunately, not many school districts will allow that with people. And when I would talk to my superintendent about it, uh, what was really fascinating was I had the conversation. I'm like, look, I am presenting there and they are paying me. I'm taking the day off. So there's no conflict of interest. Right. Look, and I'm like talking about this stuff very specifically because that is like, oh, like, well, you shouldn't get double debt. I wasn't. And what I'll also do is that I have this opportunity to be in this space with all these other educators that we don't know. They're paying me to be there. I'm learning a ton of stuff for does not cost the district a penny. And then I'm going to bring that stuff back. So a lot of times I would actually go there and I'd share our thinking, you know, like we were doing the district, what I was doing in my role, some of the things that I was like, you know, really kind of pursuing in my work in that district at the time. And then I would see these amazing things that other school districts were doing. And then we would, you know, put our own little spin on it. And it just kind of kept eating back and forth. So it was like kind of like a no cost investment for the district to actually send me. And a lot of people, a lot of leaders, they're just like, no, you have to be here a hundred percent. And, you know, we don't want you benefiting out of education, right? We only want the kids to aspire to the dreams, but we're going to quash, you know, all the people that, you know, the adults in this room. And I just get, it, I see that a lot of times that are people that do really great stuff in their district starting to get that pull. And it's like, no, you, you're either a hundred percent with us or that's it. And I think that's not very visionary leadership. And I, I think I credit a lot of that to Kelly Wilkin. She's my principal. Her whole mentality was we want the best people for as much time as we can get out of them. And if they aspire to do great things, it's only going to recruit other amazing people who can see us as a space that they can really grow and become better. And, you know, and if that leads to other opportunities, great. And if it leads to them being in our district, great, but we just want the best people. And so that was, you know, and so that's kind of been my philosophy and it's great. I, I do appreciate that you shared because my hope is I can do one tenth of what Kelly Wilkins did for people in the district to inspire people to go on to try other things and, you know, push their own learning. So I appreciate you mentioning, you know, that you saw me and you started doing some stuff too. Yeah. And I think it's so beneficial to get folks to go outside of what their normal job is. I know you started blogging really early. Obviously yeah. you do a podcast you're on YouTube. I mean, you speak, you're an author. I mean, you do so many other things now. And I, I can only imagine what it would be as far as a benefit for those who are listening to maybe expand outside of their role and just that reflection process too that comes with it. Well, the interesting thing is you say all of those things and people, you know, like people call themselves content creators and all that stuff. I've never really referred to myself as that. I am someone who just learns openly. And the reason that I say that very specifically was the whole process of me even blogging in the first place started because we wanted our students to go through the process, but we didn't actually understand what that looked like from the viewpoint of a learner. Mm -hmm. So you actually see a lot of school districts try to implement portfolios, try to implement blogging, but they don't, they've never done it. So they just, they take like uh, their paper thinking and try to move it to a digital landscape. 
Whereas I'm like, okay, what does this actually offer that's different than paper? How do we leverage this in totally different ways? And so that's how that all that even started. Like if I go back to my first keynote, it wasn't because I was just sitting there. I was actually starting to do some stuff and I was trying to, you know, figure out different things all for the perspective from the viewpoint of a learner. So I could help my students. So even when I start my podcast and uh, do that, I'm like, okay, how would this be beneficial to students? How could, you know, schools use this in a different way? It's not like, Ooh, I want to get my name out there. It's like, no, no, no. I want to, I want to actually understand this and how does this benefit? And I think it's, the, the really interesting thing, it has opened doors for me. There's no doubt about that, but it's really pushed my learning in a way I, I couldn't even imagine. Like I, I think sometimes when I talk to my friends from who I grew up with, they're like, mm, like what happened? Are you, <laughs> you weren't, you weren't the brightest that, you know, when like you actually know some stuff now, like it's weird. Right. And I think it's because I've like forced myself to actively reflect and learn. I'm not just pushing content. I'm trying to, I'm trying to grow and just do it openly. So you talk about that. I've heard you speak on your experience as a student and that you weren't a very good student and that mm-hmm. your behavior maybe wasn't the best in class. So at <laughs> one point did that shift where you were like, okay, I didn't enjoy school, but I do want to help education. Okay. So I, I actually really love school. I hated learning. Right. Right. So like I, I loved playing sports. I love doing extracurricular stuff. I, I even love joking with my teachers, right? Like I like messing around sure. doing that stuff. So I love that aspect of it. And there was something really powerful there. And then the school part was just, you know, like the, the school was just like, you know, I was like, okay, you gotta do, you gotta do some of this. It's going to kick <laughs> out. Then it was all these other good things. Right. And, and so like, I even, I even, I think about that loss, you know, over the last couple of years, like one of the things that I was really kind of like contemplating was if you stripped away all of those things that I actually loved about school, which let's be honest, law school is dead. And then you just focus on the learning part. People are like, well, I'm, I don't want to go there. So like, if we can just focus on the learning part, really being exhilarating, plus you get all of those other things, then that's, that's a way better experience. Right? So I think that, that to me has been something really interesting is because for me, all the other things were really important, but the one thing that we're kind of supposed to be doing sucked. And it wasn't because I had bad teachers or anything like that. I think, I think it was just, I had, I had, I had, I had great teachers. I I actually keep in contact with a lot of my teachers. I, I think it was just the, the process of school sometimes does more to confuse kids than it does to help them find what they're really good at, what they're passionate about. And, and sometimes the things they're really good at don't fit neatly in what is measured so then we kind of discourage them from that because we as the adults need the measurement to look good so that we look good and blah, blah, blah. Right. So I think that that to me is like, Hey, like the, the in-class stuff, how do we make that really compelling and pushing? Because, you know, and, but the other part of it too, I, I knew in the classes, there were some classes I was, I, I felt really comfortable being in and in the sense that I, I, I could figure out the content, but the classrooms that I struggled with the content, Oh, I was t- horrible. And I think a lot of times you don't realize that when you're a kid, you don't like, oh, I'm going to like look like a jerk here because I don't want to <laughs> knowing I'm dumb. Right. Cause it's like, they're like, I wasn't that smart to like figure that out. It's just like, oh God, I don't understand this. So I'm just going to raise hell. Right. When you look back at your own experience and understand that, then you're actually a little bit more empathetic to a kid who's maybe struggling with the content and then, you know, kind of being a jerk about it. And they're like, oh yeah, I was that kid. I was that kid too. So like, this isn't a me issue. This is uh, something else is going on here. And so how do we, how do we deal with that? Yeah, for sure. 
and I, I heard you speak on your podcast about being curious versus being judgmental. Yeah. And the experience that you had as a kid helped you become a better teacher. And I, I felt like that was beneficial to me too, of struggling in school and not being interested. And I felt like I connected to those students a little bit better in the classroom than maybe if I was completely successful in that environment and aced all my content. Yeah, that, that that's actually one of the lies we tell our communities is that, you know, grades are so important to success and grades are often important to colleges for kids to get into and, but then they don't really pay attention to grades and they're kind of going away from that. And it's just kind of like a grouping and sorting technique that they use, but it doesn't necessarily measure to whether someone will be successful or not. And I think that that's something we have to start really kind of pushing back on. And even if you look at an education, uh, I hire teachers and I know a lot of teachers that sucked as students who were amazing teachers because they understood the, the student that struggled because they were also that kid. Yeah. Whereas I know some teachers who were amazing students who struggled as teachers because they're like, how don't you just understand calculus? It just, just like a tip of my tongue. It's so easy. Like, how do you not understand it? Right. And they would struggle with that because process of school worked very well for them. And it's not always, you know, there's some students who sucked at school who are not good teachers yep. and some are amazing students who, but, but to think that only the best students become the best teachers is a lie. Mm -hmm. And I think that we have to, and this is like, people know this in, you know, all industries and all facets. Right. And I think that to me, we have to kind of understand and push back on this narrative. And like I, I've said, like, I think sometimes we, we say little things that are the right thing. Like I, I, I've been pushing back on this quite a bit lately. I'll say like, and this is, this is truly my belief. I always say my goal is not to get every kid to college. My goal is to help every child find a pathway to success that is meaningful to them. And every time I say that it's like applause, that's like, yeah, yeah. Like that's not, and I'm like, okay, great. I, I appreciate your applause. Right. That's awesome that you agree with me. Why do we have our, flag or our logo of the college we went to out our door yep why do you do that right is it kind of like to guilt the kids like hey you know what you could be like me i might be a little bit miserable but <laughs> you go to college <laughs> but there's like little things like that that we do right like it's like you have to go to college you just kind of got to go there but then we clap at the like no not every kid needs to go but i want to put my flag on to guilt those kids that they should and so we have to kind of understand and kind of take a step back. And, and is anyone doing that intentionally? No. But we why do we do it? Because other people across the hall do it because yep. our administrators ask to do it. And then we just don't even ask questions. And then we just kind of move on as as is, right? Yeah. We, so we, we have to start stepping back and start asking some of those questions. It was like, what are we saying? What do we believe? And what are we doing? And do those things align, right? And so I think that, that to me really matters. So George, I know a lot of folks, you know, when they think of you as it's speaker, author, podcaster. Obviously, you had a world before that as a building leader, district leader. And I'm curious, as a young leader, were there any struggles as someone that was young in education trying to lead a lot of folks and potentially those who had more experience in education? You know, okay. Oof. I'm, I'm, maybe I'm going to regret saying this. I, I didn't feel that struggle. And I, I'll say... It's not because I was like so gifted and, you know, I just knew it was up and all this stuff. And it's not that at all. I I was like, you know, like when, when a team, no one expects them to do well. And then 
and they're they also don't expect them to do well and then they just kind of like well i'm just gonna go and do my thing that's kind of like how it was for me and man i just i never saw myself doing that and then all of a sudden i applied for a job that i never even wanted to be honest with you and because i was trying to get my name in there for other jobs sure. and so I, I wanted to be like a tech coordinator or whatever and then so i applied for this assistant principal job and so I got it after it was the weirdest interview I've ever had. I got it. We actually, um, the principal, uh, interviewed me, him and I spent an hour fighting in the interview. I'm not even kidding. We were yelling at each other. It was really weird. And so I thought this is the worst interview I've ever had. And then he actually called me a couple of days later and said, yeah, I'm going to offer you the job. Cause you only want to push back on the things I said. And I actually need somebody to challenge me. Cause I, I want to make the right decision. I don't want you just to agree with everything I say, but at the end of the day, the decision lays on me. And you have to back me up if if we decide if I decide this is this is the way we're going. I'm like I can do that. I, I can do those things. So I will challenge you. So when I say this, I don't feel I was gifted at a you know early age in leadership. I feel that I was very lucky to have incredible mentors mm -hmm. who helped me with things that I guess I was willing to learn. So like I had an amazing principal that the first year is in the district, Kelly Wilkins, and she showed, she found stuff in me I did not know existed. So that became like a mission of mine. My first principal, assistant principal job, I was uh, with Archie Lillico. He was just incredible. We had great conversations. And if I did something wrong, he would tell me and like, he wouldn't embarrass me or anything like that. But, you know, and the beautiful thing is if, if he, I did something, if he did something I didn't like, I'd be like, hey, uh, you screwed up there. Mm -hmm. And he would, and he would get like a little bit, mad at me because we had that kind of like brotherly relationship and then he was like yeah you're right you know and it was like, we, but we had that and i was probably the same way with him and then by the time you know i was he he actually he he even said to me like right away like i am focusing on not only you being in a great assistant principal but you becoming a principal so he taught me things along the way so by the time i like i got this basically this principal internship under him if that makes sense mm -hmm. And so he would put me in situations as an assistant principal where he's like, Hey, you, you call the shots here, but if it doesn't go well, it's on you. So I, I just, I feel that I was just really lucky to have incredible leaders. So I, like I said, I don't think it's anything with my ability or anything like that. I, I honestly think if, you know, 90% of the people had that same experience that I did, they would have been awesome. They would have done really great. And then I think when I became a principal, weirdly enough, I was one of the younger people on staff. And I would say I was pretty aware that people were like, well, oh, this guy's like a ladder climber. He's just like moving up, blah, blah, blah. And they kind of saw that, you know, they saw they they had that perception that and, you know, I I wanted to be a principal really bad. And that was something I wanted. And I was going to just do my best and just kind of be in the moment. And if it led to opportunities after the fact, then I like I wasn't planning on speak. I didn't even know that was a job, to be honest with you. Right. The cool thing is I hired I hired very wisely. So the person I hired was a teacher that was my assistant principal. She was a teacher on my staff when I was assistant principal and her and I would argue all the time. And I was like, oh, I'm her Archie. She's my George, right? She pushed back. So I, I actually went openly looking for someone who would do the same thing for me. So I was just really blessed to have a really great admin team at that time. And I think for me, I knew I had a lot of, learning to do. And there's a lot of stuff that, that you can, you could prepare me for, but when I'm actually the principal, it would change things. But I, I felt that people gave me a lot of leeway 
in the process of being a principal because they knew I really appreciated and enjoyed working with kids. Right. They would see me out at recess. They'd see me out connecting with students. And I think they're like, okay, yeah, he might not be the brightest guy and he might not be really good, but he, he, his heart is in the right place. And I think that gave me a lot of rope with some of the staff that were, you know, a little bit, who is this guy? Right. Right. And I think, I think to me, if you're focused on doing the right thing, if you're focused on who you serve, people will appreciate you more and they'll give you a little bit more rope to screw up. So yeah, I, I, I would just say, Oh, did I get lucky? Like as I'm talking about this, I'm like, wow, like I, I got lucky because I could have went in a totally different way. Well, I've had conversations with people. I I remember uh, someone, I won't say their name, but they, they were like basically wrote a blog post. I think actually I'll say it's it's Josh. I don't know if anybody knows him. And I got a huge argument uh, because he wrote a blog post about how schools don't need principals. Oh, wow. When I was a principal, I'm like, no, that's not very nice. Right. (laughs) And like, I wasn't his principal. Yeah. And I remember saying to him, you wrote this because you're, you don't like your principal. So that's why you wrote it. Mm-hmm. You, it's not that you believe schools don't need principals. It's because you, you're not you're not a big fan of yours. And I'll tell you, if you get the right administrator, your perspective will change. Yep. And years later, little hashtag George is right. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I, I have a really good principal, and that I think that's me. That you know, the, who people are in those positions matters. I had other experiences with administrators who were good, nice people and stuff like that, but I really didn't understand how good a principal could be until I met Kelly Wilkins. So that changed things for me. Because if you had asked me maybe three, four years earlier, I might have wrote the same post. Sure. So, you know, like I said, I I was really blessed and it's lucky the people I've connected with over the years that really kind of helped me. And I, and I try to do everything when you, when you say like, you know, that you started this, you know, stuff because of that connection, that to me matters because that was my goal because I was blessed to have people like that in my life to inspire me to try stuff that I wasn't going to try without them, you know, crossing paths. For sure. So you talked about your, your brother, Alec, and I was listening to you on YouTube. You talked about a quote from him specifically or some advice. He said, don't take the same course twice. It brought me back (laughs) to my, my days in college, (laughs) my freshman year, I took physics because someone told me it was going to be easy course and it was not by any means. Mostly because the professor, he actually only talked about his family and his life experiences instead of physics. So I had a really difficult time with the, the content and I failed and it actually got me kicked out of college. I had to go back and, and beg to get back in and go in front of a very intense board. Thank okay. God I got back in. But all that being said is that the message was about failure and not to make the same mistake twice. So in your leadership journey, did you ever have a an opportunity to fail but you learned because of the experience, it probably wouldn't have if it was something different where you actually were successful. Yeah. Like that advice was actually interesting because it was like a life lesson, right? Like he's basically, it wasn't actually about a college course. It was, he didn't say don't take the course twice. He said, you don't want to, you don't want to pay twice. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Right. And so, so, you know, like that, that, that was something that, you know, kind of really stuck with me. I, I, I think, this is not only true with admin, uh, but it's like speaking to is that sometimes the way people react to things, um, we have a preconception of who they are because of the way they react is different from the way that we react. 
So like going back to Cheryl Johnson, she was my AP. When I first met her, we got, we got, I'm not even kidding. I was an assistant principal and she was a teacher and her and I got in a huge fight. Literally the first day I'm like, oh, this is not good. <laughs> Remember Archie saying to me, he's like, Hey, like, I don't know her, but I know of her and I know she's really good. So like, just take it with a grain of salt. And so she didn't react this, the way that I would have reacted to certain situations, but as I got to know her, I realized like, hey, she wants what's best for kids. We just don't agree on everything. Right. And her approach is a little bit different than mine, which is one of the reasons I hired her, right? Because I wanted, I didn't want a George clone. I wanted someone who was very different from me because I know people would be like, hey, I don't want to talk to George. So if you don't want to talk to me, you probably don't want to talk to someone who's exactly like me, right? Right. And I would talk to someone who's different. And that, that to me was really important. And, I, you know, sometimes I'll speak at conferences and... I'll see someone with their like arms folded, grumpy look and oh my God, this person, right? Like what is going on? They just hate like, oof, I don't know what's going on. And say, and then that person will come up to me. I'm like, oh no, this is not good. Let me get And they're like, that was amazing. I'm like, what was it? Cause, cause that's not how I'd look at, you know, that, <laughs> right. But they just process differently. Right. Yeah. Too. And I remember and kind of going back to some of the mentors I've had. I remember Kelly, I was like really frustrated because I'm like, you know, why is this person not doing this thing? And I don't get it and blah, blah, blah. And she said to me, I'll never get it. She said, this is not everyone's you. And so like, it was like, I expected everyone to react the same way that I would react to certain things or do things the way I would do it. And it was like really helpful to me. And I, I, I've given that advice so many times. Other people it's like, Hey, just chill out. Not everyone's you. When you, you have this expectation. So really for me, that, that meant like, Hey, I got to lead by example. Um, but also just kind of understand that, um, people react in different ways to things and it doesn't mean they're bad or they're wrong. Um, they just react different. And so you have to kind of just give them some time and, you know, like give some time, think differently. And, and one of the things that, you know, one of the best things I could tell you about leadership is that I used to be able to think I could convince anybody of anything and like if you're a speaker, you got to talk. That's kind of a thing. But when I have time to like kind of process with things, I always ask questions and try to understand viewpoints and try to think differently. And a lot of times the key to leadership is not convincing, it's listening. And when you listen to people, then you start understanding where they're coming from. You start finding, you know, bridges that you can kind of build together. And that to me is like, you know, that really kind of is something I learned through the years is, yeah, like people don't react the same way to things. Just try to understand who they are, understand their experiences, what they're bringing to the table. And it's the same thing we expect, you know, from teachers to students, right? Like mm -hmm. I'm, I'm guilty of, as probably most teachers are at some point in their career, I'd say like, you're going to, you're going to learn the way I teach. And I wrote about that innovator's mindset. Like that was my approach. Yep. You will adapt to me. And if you don't, you're in trouble. And that's not what we should be doing, right? We should understand our students. So like you, there's teachers I've encountered that they could tell you on October 12th at 10.30 a.m. in their math curriculum, they will be here whether the kids are there or not. They will be there. And the reality of that is you can't know that. You can't know that because you don't know your kids. You don't know who you're getting this year. You don't know who you're working with. And everyone's different. I think it's just about kind of empathy, understanding people's experiences, just just where they're where they're coming from. And that that to me is, you know, that that that's something that we have to kind of figure out at all levels here a lot of times. Like I, I know this may be a little controversial. You you saw all the parent stuff, people are getting really mad. I'm like, we need to like kind of step back and say like what is going on here? Like, what is the concern? Not just label people crazy. Right. It doesn't help anything. Like, 
you know what <laughs> you know what doesn't help someone who's really mad calling them crazy <laughs> it's true oh, oh you know what i never thought of it that way i am crazy now i'm gonna calm down there's a lot of times they're just just listening like what is going on here trying to get to the bottom of stuff things get heated and stuff like that too and i understand that but you know like i said listening is key to leadership yes it is one of the many things that I enjoy about you, George, is that you are very transparent about not only your professional life, but your personal life. And over the last four years, you've really documented your health journey. And, you know, kudos to you. You've, I think you've lost like 115 pounds. You have transformed your body. You wrote an article, I think, Runner's World Magazine not too long ago. But you also talk about like the sacrifices you had to make to get the goals that you were seeking. So translating that to your leadership journey, what were some of the sacrifices you had to give up to get to where you wanted to be within your leadership journey? Yeah, like like sacrifices, like I guess there is some of that. And I, I guess I've talked about that before. I always try to look at it as investment, right? Sure. Like that's the first thing, you know, like every minute you spend doing something is a minute you're spending not doing something else, right? And that, that is true but it is an investment. So when I, you know, get up in the morning, I don't even think about working out. I just, you know, my schedule, that's what I do. And I, I get up, I work out every day. Uh, and I actually find it really fascinating to me because I will get up at three in the morning if I have to, to work out before I speak at a conference, because I actually know I'll be way better of a speaker if I get a workout before, mm -hmm. like my, just my body's going and things like that too. When, when I was like admin, you know, at a young age, when I started speaking and doing stuff, a lot of people will say to me like, Hey, I want to do that stuff. I want to, I want to, you know, get to what you're doing. I'm like, okay, so are you willing to create content for like 12 years and, and just put yourself out there, share your ideas, not necessarily have anything go viral, right. just honestly put that out there and like stay consistent to that. Cause that's part of what I've done. And it's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I just wanted the end. And it's like, well, that's not how it works. When I was a principal every morning, weirdly enough, I don't know if people really know this about me. I used to teach a spin class like at 6 a.m. So I would get up at like five in the morning. I'd work out a little bit before so I could be a little bit awake for the people to teach a spin to. Sure. And then I would teach spin. I would scream and yell at people, which made me the most calm principal. Like nothing was going to phase me. And it was like, kind of like all my, you know, negative energy was out. And people like came to my class because they knew like, I was like, kind of like that. And then, you know, I do my day, spend time there. Yeah. And then typically I would do whatever I have to do at school. And then, uh, I'd come home at whatever time for dinner. And then I'd head right to Starbucks and I would just start writing and putting content together and making sure all the stuff that I had to do, you know, for, from a min perspective was done. And that was like, you know, years and years and years of that. And that's like an investment. And so that, that to me is like, you, you kind of have to look at how are you investing in yourself? Not necessarily sacrificing, but there are sacrifices. A lot of my friends, you know, they, they would go out and do stuff. And I'm a little bit older uh, than my friends as a parent. So like, I didn't have my First, well, I didn't have any kids. To be honest, with you, so. <laughs> yes, my wife did that, but I wasn't a dad until you know I was in my forties, right? And uh, yeah, so you know, whereas a lot of people are much younger parents, and so there's things I sacrificed on that end, and appreciate every moment I have with my kids and stuff like that too. And 
I, I think it's just kind of like, how are you willing to kind of invest in yourself and to grow and to see where it goes? And like, I've, I've seen people like, oh, like same people speak and all this other stuff. And maybe that's true in some cases and things like that. And, you know, like, obviously we want more people having opportunities and stuff like that, but I'm a big believer. You got to kind of put in some time. You got to put in work and effort into that stuff. And it, it is about creating content and, and trying to elevate people and helping people. There's sometimes I see people trying to build platforms on their whole platform is on criticizing other people's stuff. And if that's what you want to do, then I guess that's what you're going to do, but it ain't going to do you any favors in the long term. So I think, I think my focus is always, how do I elevate so that's, that's actually like one of the reasons I write, I, I write an email every Saturday and one of the, I, I do something personal, say so a little bit, know about who I am, uh, something professional, some of the work that I'm work, doing and, you know, opportunities for others to kind of connect, learn from me, but I always do the something profound. And the profound is something from somebody else. So I'm always trying to introduce people to others and, and lift that. And I think that to me is a really important aspect. And I've built a platform where, yeah, like a lot of times people will, will say like, okay, well, that person's actually really good. And I'm actually don't want, I only have so many times a day, so I'm not going to listen to read George's email anymore. I'm like, Hey, if that, if I helped you find somebody great, that's awesome. So like, how do I find those people is I spend a lot of time reading stuff and checking stuff out and, you know, trying to connect with people and really trying to hope other people help their voice. So to me, I think that if you see things as a sacrifice, you might have a little bit harder time. You could probably eventually you'll step back and realize, yeah, I have sacrificed some things. I always try to look at things like an investment. So like, even you think about this, you know, from the, the standpoint of a classroom, me spending 10 minutes outside greeting kids in the hallway before they enter the classroom is 10 minutes that I have to spend doing that. Will it make my life easier with classroom management? Will kids be more connected to what we're sharing because I have that relationship built with them? Yep. And will it save me time eventually? Right. And that, that to me is like, that's an investment. Now you can complain about it. Like, you know, supervision, a pain. Cause like, I, you know, I don't know any of these kids or is an opportunity to connect with kids you don't teach. And then you need some help with something. Sometimes the best person to help you is not admin. It's another, it's a student in the school and you've built relationships there. So how do you kind of start seeing some of those things? So I think it's just kind of start looking at what are some of the investments I can make into myself and to others. And just knowing that it will grow you to become better. Not well, I'm only doing this if I get this. Right. Right. And I think sometimes if you do that, when that thing you want doesn't come along as quickly as you'd like, then you give up. Like I said, my focus is always on growth, on developing and the opportunities will come as they do with that growth. I think those are habits like the, the, I think for me, the biggest thing for my health wise, what has changed is I committed to doing things I could do forever, not things I could just do temporarily to achieve a goal. And right. that is not only have I lost that weight, I've kept it off for a couple of years and Hopefully, um, I, I can I can totally slip some days, but I'm more aware, well aware of how to kind of get out of that stuff and always go back to my habits. Like I, I have dealt with anxiety and depression for years, and I know that, hey, sometimes I'm going to have lulls in my life. And when I have those lulls, if I keep with my habits, I'll, I'll get out of it eventually. Maybe not today, but I'll, I'll get out of it eventually. But if I say, okay, I'm feeling crappy, this is who I am now, and I'm just going to give up on everything I built, then that's when you start getting in trouble. Well, you bring up the anxiety piece and I've heard you speak on that before and you talked about it as a strength as a leader versus seen as <laughs> a weakness. And I, 
I felt that so f- refreshing. I, I know a lot of leaders, I know a lot of authors, speakers that actually deal with anxiety, but they don't speak on it. There's probably various reasons for that, but you know, for yourself, why did you find that as a strength in your own journey? When you have anxiety and you you can feel it like affecting you in a negative way, I think for me, it is a lot of times you don't want anyone else going through that. Mm-hmm. So you become a little bit more empathetic and understanding of that too. And so I leveraged that. And it was actually, I, I don't know if this is where I started kind of thinking differently about this. I remember reading uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book. Is I can't remember the title, but um, it's like, Dave, it's about David and Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of the premise of it. And basically the story of David and Goliath, everybody thinks Goli- like it's this underdog story of David, like who should never have beaten Goliath because Goliath is this giant. But the way Gladwell framed it is like, well, actually David was very quick and nimble. He was good with a slingshot. And so what people had determined was his weakness was actually a strength. Right. And so then he actually, I think for, and this is like, I haven't read this book for a long time, but I, that's some of it really stuck out to me. I think it was like um, dyslexia. A lot of people that have dyslexia actually go into CEOs because they have a very, they're very focused on detail. So like kind of seeing some of those things. So I, I started kind of looking at some of the stuff that I struggle with, which I think it can be weaknesses too. It's not like, uh, I remember I kind of going back to Kelly Wilkins, you know, a lot of times she would say to me, your passion is your biggest strength, but it also gets you in trouble sometimes. Sure. Right. Cause you expect everyone else to be passionate like you too. So I think, you know, kind of dealing with anxiety and depression for as long as I have, it makes me kind of try to understand people not want them to go through that. Now I can't make that not happen, but I try my best not to have people feel sometimes the way I feel it, it's made me become more empathetic. I think um, through that process. Yeah. As far as investing in yourself, moving to Florida, was that an investment in you? hundred percent. So it's so, been a good change. Love it. it. It took me a little while. First of all, my family loves it. They didn't take any time to adjust. They were like, <laughs> they love it immediately, which was, which is actually interesting because I was, uh, my daughter, my oldest Kalia, she's six now. And we were kind of thinking about making a move and we came out here just to kind of see like, do we like it here? And we spent some time and she's like, there's no way I'm moving. Like I like where I live and we we live like 10 minutes from Disney. So I was like, you know, we can be by Disney. And she's like, no. I like Disney. Do I want to move to Disney? No. And then um, we went swimming like in February, like in a pool. I'm like, we can go swimming like in winter. You're not going any, any water in Canada in February. Right. No. And so she's like, I love swimming, but not that much. So I was like, oh, okay. So at the end of the day, I was like, listen, do I want my daughter to want to move here? hundred percent. Am I going to let a six-year-old decide the fate of my family? No. So she'll get over it. She probably won't remember. We actually went and looked at a house and the house was not our style. But then I remember uh, we went into, you know, the kid's room and they had a bunk bed. She's like, dad, if we move, can I get a bunk bed? I'm like, oh yeah, you get a bunk bed. She's like, all right, I'm all in. And I'm like, seriously, the bunk bed? (laughs) And that was it. And and she has never looked back. And it was kind of interesting. So my kids really, they love it. Um, I think for me, it was just kind of like, I was really, I was really good in a routine. I, I like my routines and I was like, okay, hey, this is when I work out. This is when I work. This is when I spend time with my family. And then all of a sudden some of those things started changing. Right. And I'm like, Hey, like I like routine and I'm thrown off my routine. Is this the right decision? And so there's little things like the weather is one thing, uh, which is great. 
we have connected with some really wonderful people. The biggest thing for me is because I work, you know, I was living in Canada, but I worked in the US like 95% of the year right. if I was working, right? It's just my travel time is way less. A lot of two flight, three flight days are now direct. And so I'm, you know, speaking at events and I'm home for dinner. And it, it to me, it's like that right there was everything. I just more time with my family and I want to spend as much time with my kids. And I think this is one of the beauties of having kids older. I have a lot of friends who are like, it goes fast. Like, I wish I would have done this to my kid. I'm like, okay, I was watching you. Yeah, I'm going to make sure that I... I want to make sure I take advantage of, you know, kind of watch, you know, and like working as a principal, I didn't have kids when I was a principal and I'd hear what parents say about their kids and like, you know, some of the wishes and I'm like, I can, I know this, so I'm going to take advantage of this. So I, yeah, it's, it's been, yeah, it's been amazing. We, we really do like it here and it's just really cool. Like I said, we met great people and I'm a huge basketball fan. I got season tickets. So I can see my Orlando magic stuff here. I'm like, yeah. So I go to basketball games all the time and it's beautiful because nobody likes Orlando magic. So (laughs) you pick it. Dude, you've You've seen, you've met like players. You've been on the court. I've, Oh yeah, yeah. Of stuff there. yeah, they actually, yeah, we got to high five the players yeah. for introductions on the court while they're playing. And it's just like, yeah, they, they're, they're really good. And I think it's kind of interesting because I was on the Laker season ticket list. Like I was like, like, was I ever going to move to LA? Well, I, I wanted to, since I was like six. And so, you know, if I would have applied for season tickets when I was six years old, I might've got them this year, right. maybe. Right. So like, there's a waiting list. Whereas I called the Orlando magic and they're like, yeah, where do you want to sit? I'm like, really? You can get it like that easy. And because there's just, they don't have a big fan base. They're kind of like, if they have a good team, they'll have, but if they don't have a good team, then they're in trouble. Right. So because of that, they have to really go above and beyond to connect because they want you to, they want repeat customers. They want people to come back. And so they've been great. And so they'll, they'll just say like, Hey, we got a spot for this tonight. Do do your kids want to be on the court for the anthem and stuff like that? And it's just like someone very personal, and it's like really kind of interesting. So yeah, it's it's been it's been really 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 fun. And there, I think part of the move, I I remember seeing this video, it was TikTok, and I, I wish I could remember who it was saying it. It said, "There's only two people you have to impress in your life: the eight-year-old version of you and the eighty-year-old version of you." And I feel that the move to Florida is that the eight-year-old version of me would be like, you got season tickets to the NBA team. That's so cool, <laughs> right? The 80-year-old version of me is like, it was a smart move to do something that you could spend as much time with your kids as possible. Yep. Right? That's and that's, that's who, that's, I, I, just, I thought that was such good advice. And that is, uh, yeah, so I'm trying to live my life. Awesome. A lot of people are like, I'm not interested in basketball. I'm like, cool. You don't have to come with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, as, a, right. as an avid yeah. Timberwolves fan in growing up in Minnesota, I, I totally know what you mean as a small market team and, you know, the, the benefits of, of that and also the negatives, but you can go and sit anywhere you want. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. I want to close out the show like I, I do with all my guests, which is asking some advice. So for those who are aspiring leaders or maybe current leaders, if they're to do something tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? I, I think if you're, let's say you're a teacher right now, okay, and you want to go into men, I, I know this is going to be pretty like specific advice. I know it's kind of weird. One of the things that I did is when I started applying for some of those positions, uh, those admin positions, 
they had what was called in Alberta, Canada, uh, it was called like a principal quality standard. So it was like, here are the seven things we expect principals to be able to do. And what I did is, and this again, because I had great mentors, Kelly Wilkins said, what I need you to do, go look at those principal quality standards and shape your resume to show how you're actually meeting those standards as a teacher. And so I actually looked, I'm like, I'm actually doing all these things in my role currently. So based on what they're expecting, I'm a sure thing. This is not like, hey, will he do this stuff? I'm already doing it. I'm already doing it. And I'm not being asked to. I'm meeting all the requirements. So when I when I share this with people, I think it is something that to me really helps. Is It's kind of like the, you probably know this old adage, the dress to the job you want, not the job you have. You know, that is kind of that advice is like, are you actually meeting those standards, right? Like, are you a sure thing? And maybe if you're not doing those things, maybe ask yourself, how can I do those things? And where is that evidence? But I think for me, the, the biggest thing that I do is, and I think this will help anyone, is that look inward, not outward, if you want to be a really great leader. Hmm. And I make time literally every day for reflection, right? And not like I doogie hauser at the end of the day, writing notes and that's like old school reference, right? I, I love it. But I, you know, I blog, I do podcasts, and it really makes me think about what I want to do, what I want to be, and how I develop. And my one of my teachers, his name is, I'm not even kidding, his name is Calvin Hobbs, right? No one be, <laughs> I'm still friends with the guy. He's awesome, awesome. right? And yeah, he was my phys ed teacher and high school football coach. And he came in my last year, in my grade 12 years, is I think his first year of teaching. And I wanted to be captain and I felt I was entitled to being captain because I was on the team for four years. So like I put in the time, make me captain and like, who are you? You're a first year teacher. And I remember I said, yeah, Hey, welcome to our school. Just so you know, I'm going to be captain this year. And he's like, really? And then we had a week of practices and I'm like, oh, this guy is not going to make me captain. And then uh, I really kind of focused on, you know, how I was around him, things like that. Cause I was like, Oh, I think I screwed up. Like I blew this big time. Mm -hmm. And he actually, at the end of the day, he makes a call. And so he named four captains. I'm like, Oh my God, I hope there's a fifth. And then he says, me is a fifth. And he pulled me aside. He said, don't ever think you deserve to be a lead leader. If you want to be a leader, you have to be someone worth following. And it's funny because I, that was such profound advice that I did not understand. Cause all I thought was like, whatever I'm captain. That's all. <laughs> I'm just a captain. Like you say whatever you want. Like, Oh yeah, that's great advice. Right. I took, I think it took me about 15, 20 years to like, go. I get it. I get that advice that he gave me, yep. you know, and it's kind of like interesting. There's so many things I love from that story in your first year of teaching, you can make a significant impact, uh, your students. Right. Mm -hmm. That's something to me. And also like some of the most powerful things that we do in school actually don't connect with our students until years after they leave. Yep. And so understand that sometimes they might not take that advice right now, but I think for me, that really uh, has helped me focus on what are the principles I have? What are the expectations I have of myself and lead by that example. And eventually the people that matter most will learn from that and be better. And, and that's the best way to lead. I don't ever ask anybody to do anything. I'm not willing to do myself. Great advice, man. So seven years ago, you told me to build my PLN and I'm going to give that same advice to my audience. So how can they connect with you on social media? Well, you can just go to G Crows on Twitter, Instagram, 
it'd be great to connect there. You're not going to become a better teacher, but if you love puppies and babies, I'm your guy. <laughs> that's, that's a, a little bit more personal side of me. Uh, yeah, but my blog is kind of where everything's at. So just georgecrows.ca. I, I like, I always wonder, like, I got to get rid of the .ca. Like I'm, I'm in the U S now. Right. So I don't know if there's a georgecrows.us. I got to jump on right away. I own georgecrows.com, but oh, there I you go. it doesn't really matter. I think, it, you know, you've seen success in that, uh, URL. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Great content there. So make sure that you're connecting with George follow everything he's doing i i find great value in every aspect i mean i'm following you on everything even your your email list and whatnot so also george was on the podcast several years ago probably one of the most listeners i've got with katie novak who's brilliant in addition to george and then you know i also had an opportunity to be on george's podcast as a guest and it was a phenomenal experience because it was also the day my book launched uh, i'll never forget that so thank you george for that and also just Thank you for all the, the wonderful content that you put out there and, and for joining me today on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Good to connect. We'll, we'll do it again in a couple of years, right? I can't wait. Thanks, everybody.